1: the Osmo NFL DFS Strategy Show. Week 10, final look. Lots to get hyped about here. I've got a new camera. I've got new music going on. This is a, this is a whole big operation. Lots of stuff going on for you and I, here, Jeff. As usual, show is sponsored by Yahoo. And guys, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast network. And give the show a like. Give it a thumbs up because I don't say enough during the show. As Jeff pointed out to me last week after we finished, we really should hawk for likes a little bit more because we're getting a decent amount of people to watch. And I just don't ask you to like enough, which really helps out the in the YouTube algorithm, so we get more people to watch. Uh, interesting week 10 here, Jeff. We've got a whole lot of injuries going on here, as as per usual. Uh, some interesting quarterback spots to discuss also. So we'll start there, as per usual. The high end of the quarterback plays in terms of chalkiness this week. We have a couple guys that are actually coming in sub, I mean, over uh, 12% ownership. Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, makes sense. Guys with rushing upside. Of the two most... Uh, higher own guys on the slate. And I, I don't know why I couldn't figure out how to say that of, of the two most popular quarterback plays on the slate, there you go. which, which of them do you prefer this week? <laughs> yeah.
2: Look, if Gre- if, you know, I asked Greg to do it cause he'll ask nice, I'll just yell at you and say, you know, smash the like. <laughs> come on, let's go. But uh, yeah, in all seriousness, this, this is shaping up as like the game, right? I mean, Buffalo, Arizona, um, the, the biggest point total, the, you know, a pretty big implied team totals on each side, um, and and realistically, it's just, we got two marquee quarterbacks, right. For fantasy. I mean, two guys who rush the ball, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray is, is just at a historic pace right now. Uh, I know he's AK, but I still don't think his price is quite high enough. So, um, you know, and, and again, you know, you look at the bills, like they're not really the tough matchup that maybe we would have thought they were the last couple of years. Matt Milano's on IR. Uh, Tredavious White might not even play. i should actually check his up I'll update his, his injury status. He might be, he might even be probable. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, regardless, like it's a pretty good matchup for a rushing team too, like Arizona and for Kyler Murray. So, you know, looking at those two, um, I do think there's a chance here. Josh Allen gets in a better game flow situation and ends up throwing the ball 45 times. But uh, straight up, like I, I I would just take Kyler here. I think the Kyler DeAndre Hopkins stack has, has a big chance of bouncing back here, especially if White is, is even even if White plays, if he, he's not 100 percent. So I think that stack has a, has a really big chance of going off here.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting because I generally don't like to pay up this expensive for quarterback unless it's just somebody who's really low on, like we've talked about in some other spots with Russian QBs. But look at the combination of ceiling and floor for Kyler Murray this year. He scored at least 20 DK points in every game so far this season. And I mean, we've seen him go over 40 also. I mean, the, the ceiling's there, the floor's there. So it's kind of hard to get away from him, even though there is this really high price tag. Uh, like you said, stacking with, with DeAndre Hopkins, I think that makes some sense. Maybe a little bit of concern from people after last week's game where DeAndre Hopkins just basically didn't really do anything. Uh, zero catches in the first half, if I remember correctly, and finished with three catches. Uh, but even so, I'm not too concerned about that. DeAndre Hopkins still one of the most targeted wide receivers in the league. And maybe that will make it so that that stack in particular is not necessarily all that high-owned. And then the other thing also, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, how comfortable would you feel playing either of them naked in this spot?
2: Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, again, I think if I'm playing one naked, it'd be Murray for sure. Um, just because, you know, again, or maybe even playing with the running back, but again, I mean, the question was do you play them on their own. So yeah, it would be Murray for me. Um, I get, I just feel like Josh Allen is in a spot where he's going to be throwing the ball more uh, most in most, most times, like more, like 60% of the time he's going to be throwing it more than, than Kyler Murray kind of in the spot. that That's kind of what, you know, the projections are saying, right? So, to me, that means like a Steph Diggs, John Brown stack is is more in the cards. Uh, and and look, you have John Brown there getting more targets. Uh, you know, he's going to get secondary coverage as well. So, uh, to me, I, if I was playing one, naked, it. would be Kyler. Uh, he's also more expensive, and and like the Kyler, DeAndre Hopkins stack would cost you more, right? So, playing them without anyone is is going to be kind of a, a more unique way to go about it because I think most people are going with with Hopkins there. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I mean, I think it's probably viable with both guys, but. Uh, I think Kyler is also interesting if you want to get create, like a you know, little unique. Like I said, Chase Edmonds, I do kind of like that stack, uh, especially with rushing quarterbacks. Maybe this has some, you know, we have to wait to the, the Kenyon Drake news, but you get all, you get exposure to all the touchdowns if, if you go uh, Chase Edmonds and, and Kyler Murray. They're all going to come either on the ground through the air. And uh, if, you, if you do get lucky and maybe get like one or even two, uh, you know, passing to, to, to Edmonds, then it, it's a massive stack.
1: So my favorite pivot play here and it's weird to think of him as kind of a pivot play but Russell Wilson is coming yeah. in at just a fraction of the ownership yeah. of, of those guys which I mean makes sense from the standpoint of Kyler Murray and Josh Allen going against each other game that's expected to have a ton of points scored and So a lot of people looking at it they're going hey this is the game to stack this week totally reasonable I get that but we're at a spot now where Russell Wilson has a third maybe even a fourth the ownership of those guys uh, I think that's the way to go that's probably the quarterback that I'm going to want to have the most exposure to Russell Wilson has just as much upside, probably even more than any other quarterback on the slate. The matchup against the Rams, maybe not ideal, but even so it's Russell Wilson. He's somebody who I really consider to be matchup proof just because of his ability to run. And then also because they're having him throw the ball a million times a game. So Russell Wilson also has had some struggles as of late, uh, a lot of turnovers uh, in the last few weeks. But even so, it's, it's not killing his fantasy production. He's still putting up pretty big fantasy games. I think I'm pretty confident that he's going to have a good game against the Rams. Uh, the one thing that does make him a little bit of a headache, of course, is who, who do we stack him with between TK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? But that aside, what do you think of Russell Wilson as a pivot off of the more chalky quarterbacks in the same price range?
2: Yeah, man. I mean, this is 100% agreement. Like, this is, this is just a perfect pivot spot. I mean, you're getting Russell Wilson, a guy who, you know, the, the Seahawks throwing the ball a ton still banged up or running back. Um, and, and, you know, everyone. Oh, it's, it's a big scary offense, you know, for or scary defense, excuse me, of the Rams. I mean, this team isn't that good. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo threw for three touchdowns uh, against them, like a, a few games ago. I, I think they've kind of been beating up on some weaker quarterbacks too. Like they've had Josh, uh, Daniel Jones, Kyle Allen, Nick Foles, uh, Tua in his, in his first game. Like they have not had a murderer's row of quarterbacks. And when they did face Josh Allen, he threw for three, eleven, and four touchdowns. Like uh, this is a this is such a good pivot spot. Under five percent owned for projections right now. Even if he gets up to like seven percent owned, Greg, like that's that's fine because Kyler and Josh Allen are going to soak up a ton of ownership. Um, I, I do like Justin Herbert uh, as a pivot too, but again, we're looking at the Osmo projections, guys, and I definitely do recommend checking out the site. These ownership projections get updated, you know, as we go into lock. They're super valuable. Um, definitely check those out, but. Um, Again, like if Herbert's going to be slightly higher owned, um, I'll I'll take Wilson here at like you know if he's a couple percent lower than Herbert. Um, I, I love this play too. And as far as who to stack him with, I mean, we'll definitely talk about that when we get to wide receivers. But I, I mean, I, the 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 matchup says stay away from Jalen Ramsey. At the same time, it's going to create lower ownership on DK Metcalf because everyone wants to stay away from Jalen Ramsey. So that's that's what you have to deal with, I guess. That like you said, that is the one headache uh maybe this is the week they both go off i don't
1: know <laughs> well at least one benefit we have and we'll definitely have this when we get to running back there's a ton of value this week so there there's yep. no concern about finding salary to pay up for right? like there have been another weeks, so like i know last week definitely ended up being a little bit of a salary crunch as i was finalizing my lineups on sunday uh, we're not gonna have that issue this week there is all the salary in the world to pay up for whoever you want so that is definitely going to impact lineup construction uh looking down the the ownership for this week it's pretty concentrated at the top of the quarterbacks much more so than usual. And that kind of makes a bunch of guys, like I mentioned, Russell Wilson kind of stand out as guys we could roster for less ownership. Uh, Some other guys that are really low owned that uh, I think stand out one, Jake Luton, who last week was somebody who we were actually on a little bit had a favorable matchup against the Texans ended up scoring a ton of fantasy points at 4,900 even had a, a rushing touchdown Pulled off a nice little spin move like he was Michael Vick in Madden 2004 to score a touchdown. I was like, who saw that coming from Jake Luton? A guy going at the end of the draft to, I, I don't really think people thought maybe a ton of him from fantasy perspectives. not that we thought he would crush. It was just like, hey, look at the price point. It's pretty favorable. And then yeah. uh, he actually played well, which was which was a nice benefit. But what do you make of him this week now? People still aren't really on him. A little bit of a tougher matchup against the Packers. Still relatively cheap at 5400 A little more expensive. But after what we saw last week, are you willing to go back to the well? I would, I would really like to go back to the well here.
2: Uh, the problem is, the weather in Green Bay looks like it's going to be a, a factor. Um, we're talking like 20, 20 mile per hour winds, probably some snow and, and ice. It, it is kind of off and on here. Like the, the the really bad stuff might not come till later in the day, but it, it, right now it looks like it's going to impact the game at least a little bit. So, um, I would really like to go back to this spot. I think this is actually a really good matchup against Green Bay. Um, they they just have not been that good on defense. So. Um, you know, it's something to watch for, you know, if the weather does clear up and it definitely could. Um, I think going back to like a Luton DJ Chark stack is fine. Luton is, is a big pocket passer. You saw him looking downfield, like Greg said, uh, He just looked more comfortable. You know, he's a different type of quarterback than, than Gardner Minshew. So, I mean, Minshew more trying to just create plays on his own. Um, probably doesn't have that ability to just hang in the pocket because he's a smaller dude, but um, it's an interesting thing. I think it's a boost for DJ Chark in the long run. I'm just not sure if this is the spot. I think if I'm going to go cheap, I'm probably looking at Tua here this week. Um, I, I really don't mind that play against uh, the Chargers. I, I think, you know, I think the Chargers will be able to put up a little bit of points here. Uh, I think the Dolphins are getting a tad bit overrated at this point. They did get a little lucky to, to take that game last week against the Cardinals. I think the Chargers at the very least are going to be able to put up some points here. So I think that could make Tua very viable at uh, 5,600. And again, we said, you know, he's getting more comfortable. He's running more. Um, I, I think like a Tua... Devante Parker's stack
1: is not going to cost you much, and uh, I think it could. I think it could be in play this week. You know what's really encouraging about Tua last week is when you think about the, the devastating injury he had in college, where it was yep. whatever fractured hip, where they thought it could have even potentially been career-ending at the time. I thought he really would have been tentative. Would have been tentative to take hits once he once he started playing in the NFL. He rushed seven times last week, and he looked yep. pretty mobile. He was moving around; didn't really seem that afraid to get hit. Uh, I I was really surprised to see him run that much. And that adds a, a lot of fantasy upside to him. Uh, I know a lot of people were ready to write off Tua after one game where the Dolphins actually won against the Rams because like look at his fantasy production. He didn't do anything. And it was and it's like, yeah, but look at the game script. What did he have like what did you expect from him? It was his first career start. They won the game by a million. The offense was never on the field because no. the defense <laughs> scored a couple touchdowns. Yeah. So he just wasn't asked to do that much. And then last week he had to do a little bit more against the Cardinals. I thought he looked really good. So I'm on board with you uh with Tua being a, a viable contrarian option. Is there anybody else who stands out to you either that you think is going over on somebody's going under on just stands out as a good play
2: uh you know for for quarterback i think it's a little bit you know you you can narrow your focus a little bit like i said some of these guys you know it's probably going to create a little bit more ownership than we want but i think guys like wilson and herbert uh just aren't going to go that crazy because of, of, of what's going on in the arizona um buffalo game so i think a good strategy is you know again if you're making multiple lineups you can go slightly underweight or slightly overweight on the buffalo arizona game depending on how you feel and then you can mix in these other guys and you don't have to go crazy um you know i don't even think you'll have to go crazy on russell wilson to go um, like double the field or anything which is nice i i think this is setting up as, as a good week uh, to to pick your like a, a couple good spots and, and not get too crazy i mean um yeah i i've you know, I spent the morning kind of trying to make cases here. Maybe, maybe like Drew Brees throws four touchdowns to Michael Thomas. I think that could, that, that is something that's on the table. Um, you, you obviously have a risk of like game flow really just kind of killing that spot. But I, I think Michael Thomas being a big comeback with Drew Brees is, is definitely something um, the Denver Raiders game has a little bit of interest from me, but I just do not like Drew Locke very much. I think you saw Drew Locke's complete ceiling last week and it, it, it was good, but it's not great enough that I sit here and like, oh, I got to get more exposure to Drew Locke because if those circumstances against garbage time against Atlanta don't show up again, he's probably going to go for like 20 points. So uh, it's not going to be enough. So yeah, realistically, those are the guys I'm really looking at the ones we talked about off the top Herbert to uh, Wilson and uh, obviously the guys in the Buffalo Arizona game and I'm not sure if I'm going to you know dip much outside that if at all.
1: Uh, I think that Michael Thomas being back for the Saints makes a massive difference. It's really hard to tell just looking at the box scores last week because the the Saints beat the Buccaneers in a primetime game 38-3. So they barely had to throw the ball. But when they were actually out there in the first half, they looked unstoppable. This looked like the old Drew Brees. And it's hard to know how much of that is just because Michael Thomas is coming back, how much of it is coincidence. I tend to think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I think it was they had a really good game. But I also think that Michael Thomas makes a massive difference in the Saints offense. We know that Drew Brees doesn't have quite the same arm strength that he had earlier in his career. So I think having Michael Thomas run those short little slant routes where he stretches the field a little bit and gives Brees another target over the middle, I, I think it's going to make a big difference. And when we talk about the wide receivers, I think that Michael Thomas is one of the best overall GPV plays on the slate because he's historically way cheaper than we normally see. And I think that people are just looking at what happened last week and writing off the Saints a little bit because the the numbers didn't look all that good except it was just because the starters didn't even have to play in the fourth quarter
2: yeah absolutely what quickly what is your take on jared goff this week are you gonna have any exposure or is it just like i'm just getting up to wilson for this game
1: it's tough man because yeah f- for for one like if if he was sub five percent owned or something then yeah i would have i would definitely yeah. have him actually, he's a- with the lucky
0: land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: a little bit overpriced he's way overowned. where people are like hey this is the the third I, I was stunned when i looked at the ownership this week it's like really jared goff is the third yeah. most popular quarterback <laughs> so i mean just because of game stacks i'm gonna have some exposure to him uh, yeah. also just by the nature of like look at what quarterbacks typically do against the seahawks they don't have the, the greatest pass defense and then also teams just have to throw the ball like 50 times against them to keep up with russell wilson so it always sets up favorable game scripts for opposing passing games I just, I just can't be anywhere near the fields where, where they are at on Jared Goff, who's projecting yeah. for around 10% ownership now. So I'll say I'll probably end up around five without having without having built lineups yet.
2: Yeah, I, I think he hit on it at the start there. I, I, he's priced appropriately. It's not like you're getting a huge discount. I know he's playing the Seahawks, but this is also a, a pure pocket passer who, you know, he he needs like almost a career day, I think, to pay off at, at, at that price. Like, uh, And again, you know, getting up to Wilson, I, who just has so much more upside – um, I'm I, with the ownership where it is and the price where it is, it's probably going to be a full fade for me. Like I said, I really like pivoting to Herbert there who just is, is just churning out game after good game. And, uh, I think could be, uh, I, th- I think he's going to have another good one. So yeah, I'm in agreement.
1: All right. Today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. So moving over to the running back position now. I mean, there's one guy that we absolutely have to talk about. You know who it's going to be. And I don't really have a hot take here or anything. It's Mike Davis. Just just play him. Like, I know pe- people are trying to go crazy on Twitter where I wrote an article earlier in the week, and people are saying, like, oh, everybody's going to play Mike Davis. You don't want to play him. It's like, he's $4,000. I, I get that he's had a couple of bad games in a row without Christian McCaffrey, but it is scoring nine fantasy points at a 4,000 price tag, it's not even going to kill you. you he could end up in the optimal lineup scoring nine fantasy points at 4,000, and the upside is clearly higher higher than that. I mean, we've seen him score as many as... What was it, almost 30 fantasy points in the game against the Falcons. The yeah, matchup absolutely. isn't necessarily ideal against the Buccaneers, but so what? He's involved in the passing game. He's going to score probably a floor of, like, eight fantasy points upside to score 30. If you get anywhere in the teens, you're probably dead if you don't roster him. Just play Mike Davis. Uh, do you have any other takes than that?
2: Oh, man, I... I... I so want to, I so want to fade him and just, you know, say I'm, I'm going to have no Mike Davis. And and look, it, there's a reason behind it. It's because we do have some really interesting plays in the 5k range too. If there wasn't other good value plays here, I would be much more just like, yeah, just play him. But there are some interesting options. Like I feel like people would be getting way more excited about uh, like a guy like Antonio Gibson against against Detroit this week if we didn't have Mike Davis there, or even on the other side of this, Greg Leonard Fournette is like playing most of the snaps. Now he's got a better matchup against the Carolina run defense and he's involved in the past game too. I really like Fournette as a play, but you know, we're still, obviously we're talking about a massive price difference here. So you can't just ignore it. Um, I I agree hundred percent. Like you look at, you look at the last time these teams met, there was 12 catches by Carolina running backs and it was a game McCaffrey got hurt in and Davis caught eight of those. Even if he goes for 30 yards on the ground and he catches eight balls, I mean, like, you're probably getting at least 15 points. So, yeah, I I mean, I I will probably fade him in like some three max stuff and and things like that. It'll probably won't work out. So, you know, again, this is this is not an endorsement to to that strategy. It's just, you know, I I, I want to take a chance because this is probably going to be the highest owned player we're going to see all year. Uh, in dfs so that is that is something to take into consideration but yeah you're you're probably pretty crazy not to get some exposure to him this week you're not pretty probably you're crazy
1: (laughs) so i'll just say this i'm i'm almost certainly going to have him in 100 of my lineups this week i just that's probably the
2: same strategy
1: i i I just don't think there's a way that he kills me this week it's just the price is so cheap and then like i said people look at these recent games like oh look look how bad he was where he scored eight fantasy points and like I said, so what? That, that might even be fine at his price point. Uh, I t- To your point, yeah, there are some other guys who are a little more expensive at uh five to 6000 range who I think make for okay plays this week. But I don't care. The, the price tag and the value is so good on Mike Davis. And I think that also we're getting to the point where so many people are poo-pooing on Mike Davis as a play that his ownership is going to be somewhat in check. Now, That's, is he going to be popular? Yeah. Yes, but it's it's not like he's going to be 100% owned or anything. He's, he's going to be sub-50% owned, it looks like.
2: And that's the thing, right? Like we get in these spots, and then people like me, you know, like trying and and starting to, oh, I can outthink the field, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's 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 so many people like me thinking, and like Mike Davis, like forty percent owned instead of sixty percent owned, and uh, he's not even like that that jockey. So probably what's going to happen? I I I just think that there's enough ways for for Mike Davis to get there. Garbage time, a garbage time touchdown the PPR points just adding up to the point where it's, it's, you know, it takes care of itself. Maybe it breaks a long run too. It's not like Tampa's defense looked good last week. So, you know, they they are without Vita Vea. I mean, um, you know, their top like rush stopper, it's a good defense. Absolutely. It's probably one of the top three, but it's not like they can't be had for one week or just let one play go. Uh, that changes fantasy fortunes. So 4K Mike Davis, like I said, you're, you're probably crazy. If you don't have any exposure.
1: So one spot that I think is pretty interesting here is Duke Johnson, who's kind of the same price. That we've seen David Johnson a- around for most of the year, uh, a little bit cheaper, 5,000. With that said, David Johnson has not been all that good this year. And I know that people just like to plug in whoever the backup is that's coming in for the starter that always screams value in DFS. But given how little production we've gotten out of David Johnson, which I'm aware of, I play David Johnson all the time this year. It, it has <laughs> not gone well when I rostered David Johnson this year. And I do think it's interesting now that Duke Johnson comes in at around the same price tag and everybody's like, hey, we're going to roster a ton of Duke Johnson this week. And obviously the ownership is a little bit kept in check because of Mike Davis there. But is there anything that leads you to believe that Duke Johnson is going to be massively more successful than David Johnson has been?
2: Not really. No, Um, like this is not a player I've thought much about this week, again, because you have Mike Davis there at 4K and then you have some other players. Um, that are going to be lower owned than than Duke Johnson in, in similar price range. I mentioned Gibson and Fournette. Um, and look, I, I'm not saying like those guys are, are necessarily great, but I, I like the spots better for them. Um, Cleveland coming off a buy. They, look, they, they've given up some points, and, and this but this game is going to be ugly too with weather. Um, like I'm not sure how much the ball is going to be moved. You, you remember the last Cleveland ugly weather game, Greg? Nobody scored any points. Nobody did anything, and that is a very possible scenario here where. You just don't need any, like, it doesn't like, Oh, they're going to check down a time. They just won't move the ball. If it's like that again, that's what happened last time when it was the weather was that bad. So um, Duke Johnson, just not really that, that much on my radar. The other thing, I'm, I've never been like a Duke Johnson guy. I don't really think he's that good. Like Greg said, is this an upgrade over David Johnson? Probably not. To be honest, I know David Johnson hasn't looked like that good, but um, I don't think Duke Johnson is really that good a player. So um, 5k, like I'll, I'll take the lower owned like Fournette in a really good spot. And, and Antonio Gibson in a really good spot too. Um, those are, those are the players I'm looking to pivot off of, uh, off of David Johnson right now, because he is projected right now. We got him as the fourth highest owned, uh, RB on the slate.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have some exposure to Duke Johnson mostly because he, here's where I think he's going to have more success than David Johnson, or at least where he could. And it's the passing game work. Cause when we see Duke Johnson on the field, he, he generally, gets uh some short little targets that'll help him more so on DraftKings and FanDuel. The other thing too is that there's nobody for him to really split snaps with. So when we had we had David Johnson before with Duke Johnson, each of them were seeing time on the field. We look at what happened last week after David Johnson went out and Duke Johnson played almost all of the snaps. He was the only running back who got a touch out of the backfield. So I, I think that him not having to share work with anybody helps him a little bit over what we saw with David Johnson. Uh but but to the point that I mentioned at the top, is it's odd to me that people just expect Duke Johnson to be massively more successful out of the backfield than David Johnson was. So that is something that leads me to believe that he's going a little bit overowned. but I'm not going to say that Duke Johnson isn't playable. And then I also think your point is taken about how there's other guys like Leonard Fournette and Antonio Gibson that, that are probably going to be viable options. Also uh, one other situation that you did talk on a little bit is with Kenyon Drake being questionable to play. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised he's listed as questionable because when he first got hurt, it looked like he was going to be out for like a month or something like that. And now all of a sudden it looks like he could play. Let's just play a what if game. If he is out this week, what do you make of chase Edmonds after a disappointing game as chalk a week ago?
2: Yeah. I mean, and, and look, it's a fair point you made with Duke Johnson. there. He, he, he could be in a position to play 90% of the snaps, just pay off. You know, he might get 20 fantasy points just because he gets like 30 touches or something. So I, I probably shouldn't just write him off completely. Uh, I think that's a fair point to, if, if people are, are looking at him. I just kind of like those pivoting those other plays better. But, yeah, um, Chase Edmonds is a guy I'm going to try, and I'm not going to try. I, I am going to put in my flex and pray Kenyon Drake doesn't play. Uh, absolutely just, you know, get down on my knees, and just like it's a like a last-minute game-time scratch here for Kenyon Drake um, because Edmonds played over 90% of the snaps last week. It didn't work out. It sucked. He was my favorite play last week, too. But, you know, for whatever reason, um, just just didn't really get off. I mean, look, and kudos to Miami's uh, rush defense. They were ready for it. Uh, he only got three targets, which is like, you know, pretty low for him. You know, even when he was splitting snaps, he, he was getting like six, seven. Um, but this is another good matchup. Like I said, Matt Milano out uh, for for Buffalo. They have not been a good to run. I think they're eighth worst in terms of yards per carry. I, I will go back to the well here. His price is down a little bit as well. And the ownership, most people just are like, okay, I can't play him because Drake's gonna be back, or I just don't know about Drake. I will I will take the bullet there and, and put him in the flex in a couple lineups and uh and make make some kind of pivot if I have to, or maybe just leave him. Like even just if Drake plays, I might just leave because I'm not I'm not convinced that Drake is just gonna come in and take like 80% or even 50% of the snaps. It could just be like a situation where you know, they just, they, he may just be hanging on the sidelines. I mean, we have seen things like that, like almost an emergency activation or something, right? Uh, Edmonds might get the start if he starts off well, he might still play 70% of the snaps. So I, uh, I'm i going to have some exposure to a lower, much lower own Chase Edmonds this week.
1: So here's a statement that Cliff Kingsbury gave on Kenyon Drake's status for this week. He said, we want to make sure it feels good pregame and he can do what he does best. If not, he won't go. So what I read that as, is he's going to be a game time decision. And we've talked about these a little bit in recent weeks. There was one with Josh Jacobs last week where he actually, we ended up getting news ahead of time that he was going to play. Uh, And then there was Chris Carson a couple of weeks ago where he ended up being ruled out. And then we got DJ Dallas as a really, really strong value play at almost no ownership. So we look at chase Edmonds a week ago where he was, you know, around 30% owned in tournaments was one of the most popular plays didn't really go well. But even so, there's a reason that that many people were willing to roster Chase Edmonds a week ago without Kenny and Drake. And if Drake is out again, people just aren't going to be on Chase Edmonds. Number one, we're probably not going to get news on Kenny and Drake before Locke. And the other thing also is just people are going to have a sour taste in their mouth after what happened with Chase Edmonds a week ago. But like you said, he played 96% of the snaps last week. He was on the field almost every play. It just didn't end up leading to fantasy production, and that is definitely a little bit concerning but with that said with that many snaps played chances are that with his talent his ability to catch balls out of the backfield he's probably going to have a good fantasy game if he plays that many snaps again I love Chase Evans this week and I really hope that Kenny Drake doesn't play
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, that that would be the best case scenario. And, and like I said, I mean, you're you're gonna have to take a chance. The, the one nice thing about it too is, Greg, like we have what do we have six late games this week? Uh, that was, like I, I don't even remember last time we had that many late games. So you're gonna have pivot options, like uh, putting them in the flex there, um, which is which is nice. I mean, you're gonna have a lot of pivot options if you really want to get off them. But like I said, I think this could be a situation where. Edmonds, maybe like even if Drake is active, he might play 60%, maybe even 70% of the snaps and and still pay off. So, you know, we've seen him be very productive with Drake in the lineup. Um, I, I will force myself to play him in a, a couple lineups for
1: sure. I, I, I'll be doing that too. And then, and then your point is also well taken where it's, we have six late games and five early games. I don't know what it is where all of a sudden they're like, hey, overhaul the schedule no, because I, know. I, I don't think we've had more than three or maybe four late games the entire year. And now they're like, hey, we're loading the, the late slate which is great for us in terms of late swapping because that does minimize the risk of, of playing uh, Chase Evans, getting a bunch of exposure to him because this isn't like other situations we've had where it's like, Hey, if you want to roster DJ Dallas, as I went heavy on him a couple of weeks ago, the reality was if, if Chris Carson ended up playing, I was kind of, I was going to kind of be screwed in that situation because there wasn't, there wasn't going to be a place for me to late swap to yeah. plenty of late swap opportunities. So I, actually, I certainly recommend getting actually some funny bring up you bring up Carson
2: too, because Carson is the exact same, almost the exact same price on DraftKings, And he's questionable as well. So you might have a perfect pivot spot. Maybe Drake gets activated and you just pivot to Carson. If he's active, um, I'm just throwing things out there. I think Carson's going to be risky, but um, I do think if he's active, he's probably going to get the majority of the snaps. So it's certainly not a bad situation there. Um, if, if he gets active, I could see Seattle just trying to run the ball a little bit more, slow things down after last week. But um, and maybe playing with Russell Wilson too. He's, he's had some big games with Russ. So um, lots of, like I said, like you said, lots of options here to think about.
1: So something that's interesting, if you look at the chalk of the position is we have Aaron Jones is the most popular expensive running back. And then we have Devonte Adams is the most popular expensive wide receiver. <laughs> We've seen this happen a ton this year where people are just building lineups and they're like, Hey, we're just going to play all of the guys from the same team. Uh, I get that it's a really favorable matchup against the Jaguars, but
0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And Devontae Adams all have big games at their price points. I don't think it's all that likely. So with that said, which way are you leaning here? I know the weather's a little bit of a concern, but Aaron Jones at his expensive price tag or Devontae Adams at his expensive price tag.
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, I guess I showed my hand by not talking about Aaron Rodgers Aaron in the quarterback section. Uh, I'm more prone to just going with this is going to be the game where the touchdowns blow back to Aaron Jones. Um, look, again, yeah, some of it is the weather. I mean, I, but I, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that, like, because there's some wind, Devontae Adams can't catch 15 passes. That is that's definitely a scenario that can still play out. So, you know, again, if, if I was making uh, 100 lineups, I would try and have a little bit of exposure to the Green Bay pass game, too, as some kind of hedge. But I would be more overweight on Aaron Jones in this spot. Jacksonville run defense. We have a team coming in at home two two touchdown uh, uh favorites the the one thing that scares me from Aaron Jones and and why this ownership scares me a little bit is Jamal Williams is still good court, still a good running back he's still going to be involved um he's coming back this week but realistically you know we look at the, you look at the slate um no Dalvin Cook no Christian McCaffrey I know Kamara's there he's, he's priced up at 8200 though Aaron Jones is the closest thing we have to like a Dalvin cook this week. Like realistically, this is a player who, who, who can get you three touchdowns in the right circumstances. So I am kind of down with this, uh, this play. Um, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of Mike Davis, Aaron Jones lineups this week. That's something to think about. And again, it, it does kind of like, you know, it, maybe that maybe, uh, maybe you use Mike Davis and you pivot off of Aaron Jones, but I, I kind of like using Aaron Jones and pivoting off Mike Davis to make uh, a little bit of unique lineups. And again, I'm not saying you have to use, no, Mike Davis. I'm just saying when you're doing your Aaron Jones lineups, something to think about. That's, that's going to be a big combo, Davis and Jones this week. So I do like Aaron Jones. um I, I'll, like I said, if I was who who would I have more exposure to? Would definitely be Jones over Devontae Adams.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you, uh, especially if the weather does end up being concerned. Just what we know about how weather, uh wind, snow, cold weather, how that will affect fantasy is it generally tends to mean the teams skew a little bit more towards the running game than the passing game and look at what happened the last time the packers were in a win game i get that Devontae adams ended up scoring touchdowns because they just threw to him on the one yard line but he had seven catches for 53 yards that gets that gets kind of canceled out because he scored three was it one yard touchdowns in that game which was super annoying for me because i was just off that game because of the the, the weather but still you have to look at that line that Devontae adams had and if the weather ends up being a factor Do you really want to look at Devontae Adams and say that, hey, somebody with seven catches for 53 yards in his last game, we're we're just going to expect him to score three touchdowns again from the one yard line. Mm -hmm. So I I think, I think that what we've seen from the Packers in bad weather games this year, I would definitely skew a little bit more towards the running game because they just didn't throw the ball that much. They didn't really take looks downfield the last time that we saw them in this sort of situation. Uh, One other guy here I want to talk about before we move on from the running back position I think that Alvin Kamara is a really good pivot off of Aaron Jones uh, because there's so much ownership going to Mike Davis and Aaron Jones. There's not really anybody else who's super popular. Everybody else sub 20% owned. So Alvin Kamara had about half the ownership of Aaron Jones this week. I think that's a decent pivot to make. Uh, Alvin Kamara was not really all that involved last week with Michael Thomas back. But like I said, with, with Drew Brees earlier, that was more of of a, of a result of the score of that game. They won 38 to three. Jameis Winston played in the fourth quarter. They didn't, they didn't have the starters in there at all. So I, I think that we could count on more fantasy production from the Saints, uh, especially going up against a banged-up 49ers team. Are you willing to make some lineups through Pivot Off Aaron Jones and go to Alvin Kamara?
2: Yeah, it's kind of a – it's a bit of a similar situation, is it, with, like, Michael Thomas and Kamara. Like, one of these guys is probably going to have a monster day. I am more prone probably to go with Michael Thomas in the spot just because the San Francisco uh, secondary has been – Absolutely torched by number one receivers the last week, two weeks. Like I'm talking, like, like they are still trying to put out fires there. I mean, it is it, it it's been embarrassing. So I think this is a game where Michael Thomas kind of makes maybe a comeback, but like realistically, it could easily just be Camara, just be, you know, be a couple screen passes to the house or something. All of a sudden, he's got two touchdowns and like 150 yards. Someone's going to score a lot of points for the Saints. They're, they're nine plus point favorites here. San Francisco is basically, I mean, they're certain Jimmy, Jimmy, Nick Mullins. And I don't have George Kittle anymore. They're banged up on D. Like I said, their secondary can't stop anyone all of a sudden. Someone's scoring a ton of points here. I, I, I completely understand the Kamara pivot, especially from an ownership perspective. Um, I haven't quite decided exactly what I'm going to do with him. Uh, again, not, not someone I would want to fade. And I completely agree. Like like I said, I was the one talking about the Jones-Davis um combos it's, it's going to be more unique to go Kamara Davis for sure so makes a ton of sense I'm more prone to Mike Davis in the spot but um you know one of these guys is going to go nuts in my opinion so
1: uh so now as we as we transition over talking about the wide receivers I mean we'll pick off right where we left mm-hmm. off there with Michael Thomas because I think it's it's a good point to move over is so Michael Thomas at 7400 projected for 10 ownership this is the cheapest that Michael Thomas has been in recent memory, and the least owned, which is a pretty good combination. Then you look at his box scores from last year: more games over thirty DraftKings points than games under fifteen DraftKings points. So, I mean, you look at that price tag at seventy four hundred. I, I think that he's the top wide receiver play on the slate for GPPs with everything considered: the price, the ownership, the the matchup, the upside. I think everything sets up perfectly for this to be a good Michael Thomas spot. Actually, I don't even mind making. uh Saints onslaught stacks where I go breeze Kamara and really? Thomas yeah. because of the passing game work. If I'm making an onslaught stack, I'd be more willing to do it with the saints and their less ownership than would be willing to do it with the Packers for, for about a similar price.
2: Yeah. And, and look like the saints are big favorites. So I guess you could sit here and, and we could say, Oh, well, how much is Drew Brees actually going to throw, but it makes a lot of sense for the saints to get Michael Thomas back involved. Like this is a team with playoff Super Bowl aspirations. They need Michael Thomas, if they're going to win the super bowl and you know how do you get someone like that back in the fold well you throw to him 12 14 times against a really soft san francisco secondary and you get him in the end zone a couple times and all of a sudden everyone's happy again and michael thomas is happy and he's not fighting with his coaches or picking fights at practice um i think that's what's going to happen this week I, I i clearly agree with you about him being the the a great tournament play 7400 this price is ridiculous going back to last year i mean like we never had him under AK ever. Like it was, it's crazy. So um, I think the only thing is, you know, you were easy a hundred percent, but he looked pretty good to me last week. Um, getting worked back in. Like I, I he's got another week to, of, to rest. This should really be it, man. That this San Francisco secondary has quit, it looks like the last couple of weeks. So um I, I am all over this. I will say this too. Um, everyone likes Jared Goff. Like, why why is Robert Woods not like in the top three owned wide receivers here this week? Um, he's going off at just barely over Michael Thomas's ownership percentage. Um, I see people on Cooper Cup because of that twenty-target game last week, which was insane. I think that was had a lot to do with circumstance. Robert Woods to me is is that has the better ceiling between those two. Um, I really like his price this week, and uh, if he's going to be like under fifteen percent owned, absolutely, Robert Woods will be one of my top plays.
1: Yeah, I think the the Rams situation is a little hard to figure out. They, they've been hard to figure out the last couple of years. It's, where it's, it's been, very much
2: like a Lockett Metcalf situation.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I was actually going to say. Is is that w- when you look at those, I do feel really similar to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Which, by the way, this is the first week this season that we haven't had. One of Tyler Locker, DK Metcalf is really popular. The other is just going under-owned because that's generally been my strategy with the two this year is they just go like, oh, Lockett's 20% owned and Metcalf's eight. I'm going to Metcalf. Or be like, Metcalf is 25% owned and Lockett's 11. I'm going to Lockett this week. This week, I think people are just throwing their hands up in the end and be like, you know what? I'm done guessing. I'm just not rostering either of them, which also people aren't really rostering Russell Wilson this week. So I kind of see how that comes about. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, whose turn is it?
2: I'm going to go with Lockett. I, I'm just going to play the matchups this week. Um, I'm going to say Ramsey at least does enough to keep Metcalf, you know, I, I, within the realm of like not destroying the slate. Um, maybe this is the spot though, where, where both these guys just go like go for a hundred yards because I do, the the more I think about the Seattle Rams game, I, I really think we're going to see some points here. Uh, I, I do. I think Seattle's going to come out with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. And I think it's going to force the Rams to throw a lot. And uh, I think a guy like Robert Woods could could really keep the minutes. So um, I love, like I said, I love starting those Ram stacks or, or the the Seattle game with Robert Woods, and then coming back with with Locke and Wilson. But I, I might even I might even go there this week and make a, a DK Metcalf Lockett Wilson stack and put all three together. At some point, they all have to go off, right? <laughs> like it's gonna happen at least once. So um, I, I think you could get a crazy type of game like that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Lockett over Metcalf.
1: Listen to Lockett's box scores over the last six weeks. It's so ridiculous. 40 DraftKings points, 6, 8, 56, 7, 8. I, I can't think of any player who's been this boom bust where literally you either need Tyler Lockett to win on certain slates or you just lose if you have him because he's been so terrible or so good. So I, I'm going to say this. With the, I'm totally hedging here, and I'm, I'm taking the soft way out. Given that the ownership of the two is about even, that's what I'm going to do this week too. I'm going to have some Wilson stack from Metcalf. I'm going to have some with Lockett. I'm not taking a stance this week, which I, I have taken a stance on the lower on guys more often than not this year. The ownership's the same. I'm going to go the same this week. I think it's nearly impossible to tell which of the two are going to be better uh, to your point that, yeah, maybe we see a lot of Jalen Ramsey on DK Metcalf that will hurt his production a little bit, but it's so difficult to get correctly and neither of them are all that popular. I'm fine with just making some Russell Wilson stats with each of them and just playing both of them around 12% or so. I think that's a prudent move. It's, it's just so hard. To, to get them right. And then let's look at also another team where I think there's a couple of viable wide receiver options. As we mentioned, Josh Allen's going to be really popular. He has a couple of wide receivers here, and Stefan Diggs and John Brown were both coming off big games because, I mean, Allen himself had a, a gazillion fantasy points last week. So who would you prefer to stack Josh Allen with? John Brown, Stefan Diggs, or maybe somebody else. Maybe you're going with Gabriel Davis or something crazy.
2: No, um, this is another one where, Yeah, you look at the matchups and you say, okay, Patrick Peterson, maybe he's not like a shutdown corner, but he did. He did a pretty good good job on DK Metcalf and, you know, a road game. I am probably going to go. I I think John Brown being the lower owned of the two, like clearly lower owned of the two um, has me thinking like that is probably the way to go. But realistically, you could definitely go with the triple stack here. Um, I I do think that that Allen is going to be throwing quite a bit in this game just because I think I think the Cardinals I like the Cardinals to win this game. And, um, you know, in that scenario, you could get Allen throwing 40 plus times, which could really make both guys viable. So I think the player might be to go both, but, um, you know, if I'm making one or if I'm coming back with like a Kyler Murray, Deandre Hopkins stack with one of these guys, probably going to be John Brown at lower ownership in a better matchup. Um, we've kind of seen the secondary receivers go, I mean, you just have to go back to the Lockett game, quite frankly, to think that. So, um, I like the connection with Brown and Allen too. They, they play together more, but um, yeah, it's going to be John Brown with the caveat of saying, like, fading Stephon Diggs is, is it's a scary proposition because, you know, he, he's real good.
1: Yeah, I uh, I like John Brown a decent amount this week. And so if you look at his box scores for the year, nothing's going to really stand out about him. And part of the reason is because he's been injured. He's had times where he's had to leave games early. He's also battled uh, different injuries. He had, a, he had a knee injury, which held him out for a couple of games Last week is the first time he've really looked healthy since the start of the year and week 1 against the Jets, 10 targets for John Brown. Last week against the Seahawks, 11 targets for John Brown. Uh unfortunately finished 1 yard short of the 100-yard bonus on DraftKings, but still eight catches for 99 yards, season high in targets. That to me is all really encouraging. I think that that's what we're going to see going forward from the Bills is John Brown to be getting, you know, 7-8 or so targets per game the rest of the season at his price point. I think he's a pretty good play, and he's also a little underpriced on FanDuel. So I'm certainly willing to roster him on both sites. I think that he's a good option. Uh, we've hit on pretty much everybody. Are there any other wide receivers that you want to talk about this week?
2: Uh, no, just a couple of cheap guys. Um, I, I kind of like going to KJ Hamler again. We, you don't necessarily need to go down that low because we have some value running back. But Hamler's uh, you know playing over 75% of snaps, really good matchup against the Marcus Joyner on Vegas. Uh, I think he's got a really good chance to find the end zone there. I really like him as a cheap play. Um, you know, I, I think Keenan Allen now not in like the top two owned uh, projected. Again, going him and, uh, you know, if Keenan Allen is still going to be 20%, like, again, stacking with Justin Herbert makes a lot of sense. He should have the best matchup there for um, uh, for the Chargers. I do kind of like Michael Thomas better there, but I, I think you could possibly even play both of those with the value of RB. So um, that's another interesting play. Um, you know, Brandon Ayuk could pay off in garbage time. Uh, I, I I like him as a player i don't know I, I'm not sure if i'm gonna go there just because he could get shut down as well they' got some pretty good corners but uh that's pretty much it um i think that the broncos uh have some some value you could look at and um but no no one else no one else necessarily like huge that i want to talk about
1: all right get access to all the great osmo awesome plus tools and content for nearly every dfs sport there with an osmo awesome plus weekly pass for twenty nine ninety five this includes full access to all the premium content and tools on osmo including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and much more. If you're only looking to play NFL and sign up for our weekly NFL package for $14.95 or give our weekly NFL Express Pass a shot for only three ninety five. dollars stop guessing, start winning, join Osmo Plus today. And one more thing I would be remiss if I did not say, like the video so that Jeff and I could get over 100 likes. Yeah. Let's, let's hawk for those likes. Let's get some numbers. Let's,
2: yeah, let's go, guys. Come on. We're not over 100 yet. We're at 68. One more to 69 at the very least would be great um but uh, no serious let's try and get over 100 for the video we'd really appreciate it trust me it helps us out helps you guys out too I don't know how it helps you guys, but it does.
1: Yeah, it, it, Jeff Jeff hits me if we don't get enough likes after that's the video. Right, it's, it's, right. it's a sad scene after the after the show ends. We're in we're in our little our Zoom Slack chat. We're just doing the recap afterwards, and I cry. Jeff hits me. So just just hit the video, please do it for me. I don't wanna I don't wanna get hurt. I wanna I just want to be safe and have fun. I want to talk about football. I want to talk right. about receptions, fantasy points. I want to talk about tight ends. So this is another slate we have here where we just don't have tight ends to pay up for. We don't we don't have the Chiefs on this slate. George Kittle obviously out. So this leaves us with Darren Waller, who's not even all that popular, but I think is probably the safest play on the slate. It's it's pretty funny to look at the projected ownership at tight end where it really mirrors my feelings on the slate where I'm like, I don't know what to do at tight end. And I look at the ownership, it's like, you know, who else doesn't know what to do the field? Because every player is just like 8% known to the position. Everybody's like, yeah, we're just going to play random guys at yeah. this spot. Is, is there anybody that you're really confident in?
2: Oh, a uh, confident no, absolutely not. Um, but y- y- I do like the spot for Evan Ingram. I mean, Evan Ingram has 29 targets over his last three games, like some player averaging over nine targets a game. Um, it, it's pretty crazy. Like, he's at 4,500. You would expect that kind of targeting a guy, he's, he's over 5k easy, but it's, I know he hasn't done much with it. I mean, obviously, that's why he's under 5k, right? But yeah, like the matchup against Philly is really good, Greg. I mean, th- this is not a team that, that guards against tight ends very well. They allowed three touchdowns to uh to, to Hateby early in the year. If you remember back, the uh the George Kittle game was just like you know, where he basically caught every pass uh, Jimmy Garoppolo through. So um I, I think this is a really good potential ceiling spot. We finally see Evan Ingram break out. Uh, I could see that happening absolutely. Um, other than that, though, you know, I think Noah Fant is interesting against Vegas too. Uh, they've allowed some big games, kind of similar. You know, Travis Kelsey has decimated them. They've had trouble with big athletic tight ends. Um, m- My boy uh, Albert O is out now, so you should get just a cu- even just a couple more targets there for Fant would be big. He is overpriced, like forty nine hundred, but you know, again, we're we don't really have shock here. Or, no, we don't really know what to do. So I don't think necessarily overpaying a, a, t- a tiny bit for Fant is terrible. Those are the two guys in the four K four K range. I'm really looking at. Um, if I'm going cheap, you know the the, the Seahawks pull they did a little rug pull on me last week. I know I was building up Will Disley as a cheap play, and then Hollister came out, played the most snaps, got seven targets. Like that's that's a lot. That's the most any tight end for Seattle's seen all year. And quite frankly, Hollister is probably like the best pass catching receiver of the bunch. I'm not sure why I haven't deployed him a little bit more now. So. If you like Russell Wilson, I don't think going Hollister at 2600 is terrible either. Um, it's obviously risky, but like all these guys are risky. So.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's really hard to stake your flag in any one tight end and be like, yeah. this is the guy I really want to have an Ingram, though. I think he might be the guy I end up with the most exposure to. I liked yeah. Evan Ingram last week also. And one thing I'm going to be keeping an eye on is what happens with Golden Tate. 'Cause one of the reasons that that we've seen more work from from Ingram is that Golden Tate's just been exiled from the team for being bad at football and annoying on social media. So the team was like, Hey, we're gonna keep you away from everybody. And then and then you look at Evan Ingram, who with Golden Tate inactive last week, 10 targets only caught five of them, 48 yards, did score a touchdown, so he had his best fantasy game of the year. One thing that's kind of nice about all the targets that Ingram's getting, the floor is pretty high, and I think given how how difficult it is to fill the tight end position this season and this week in particular, I mean, it's kind of nice to have a guy in, in Evan Ingram who's had at least nine fantasy points in six of his last seven games. That's just not production we could rely on from any other tight end for the most part. If you want to pay up, then Darren Waller, obviously, he's relatively safe. He's had a good season. Uh, he's just going to cost you a little bit more. I I, I assume that's what people are going to do in cash games is just go like, Hey, I'm going to go down Waller because I feel like I'm getting at points from him. If, if you were building a cash lineup right now and salary was, was not an issue, which tight end would you plug in? I think it would probably be Waller for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'm not all that confident in that either.
2: Yeah. It, uh, if, look, if salary is not an issue, it's pretty hard to go off Darren Waller, right? I mean, this is a player who's consistently getting targets. I mean, I like Ingram, but um, you know, Waller's probably a better player at this point too. They don't have, uh, they just don't throw to their wide receivers much too with, with Vegas. So, uh, I mean, actually the giants don't either, but I mean, I, yeah, look, if salary's no issue, absolutely. Waller, if salary is an issue, I think I'm fine going down to Ingram though. Cause that is a pretty big uh, price difference. I know I a couple of guys in chat asking about value rankings. I'll throw out a couple things just from the site. We do have, um, Osmo does have, uh, Henry Hunter, Henry and Dallas Goddard ranked as better values, but from a points projection, then, then Evan Ingram. Um, from a points projection, um, who do we have here? Oh, my God, what am I looking at? Um, yeah, God, uh, Waller is the the top projected uh, play at tight end. So there you go.
1: And uh, points per dollar, uh, Austin Hooper comes out as a really good play. And yeah. I, I think there is a little bit of interest in Austin Hooper just from a standpoint of we haven't seen him play for a little bit. He was dealing with, um, was it appendicitis? So he hasn't played since week six. So even though he wasn't getting a massive amount of targets last we saw him active for the Browns, remember Odell Beckham Jr.'s out. So that could really impact how we see the Browns run their offense. Maybe that means that Austin Hooper just gets a bunch of targets. So I, I could see the the path to him having a really good game, also a favorable matchup against the Texans. Uh, one other guy who I think we should talk about, Dallas Goddard, who another guy has dealt with injuries this year, as, as is everybody on the Eagles. If you're an Eagle, if you get drafted, to, to the Eagles as a pass catcher, just be like, oh, well, I guess I'm gonna be hurt a lot over the next 10 years because that's that's runs to every single wide receiver tight end on the team. Zach Ertz out, Dallas Goddard coming back from injury, only got one target uh week eight against the Cowboys. But what do you expect from Goddard this week?
2: Yeah, Goddard's range of outcomes feels like Ingram. I'm pretty comfortable saying he he'll get like, you know, six or seven targets at least, like as a floor. I don't know what he's gonna do with those targets. He could get like you know, six catches for like thirty yards. It wouldn't surprise me. Goddard's range is way bigger. He could get two targets. He could get twelve targets. Um, he could go for thirty fantasy points. He could go for three. Um, th- that's kind of my feeling on Goddard right now. He's he's a really athletic dude. Um, you know, the matchup maybe isn't as good though as people are are thinking. Like I said, I think the matchup for Ingram is so much better. Which now that we have them, um, you know, kind of projected to be very similar owned. Uh, I, that's, uh, that's that's kind of got me leading Ingram um, Goddard even possibly like higher projected owned so um, you know Giants only allowed two um, two touchdowns to the position they're, they've are they only allowed 34 receptions to the position like they're, they're a pretty the, the Giants are a pretty solid defense like I, I think that's what people sort of maybe just forgetting at points this year um, doesn't necessarily mean they have to fade uh, Goddard like I said he's an af- a big athletic tight end he could easily over he, he can go off kind of against anyone I think but um, I, I, it's probably going to be a spot I fade. Uh, as, as much as I know, this could be the spot that kills me this week. Although, I don't think he's going to get so chalky that it'll be crazy. But um, I, I prefer, I basically prefer Ingram over Goddard here.
1: Yeah, if I have to say one positive about Dallas Goddard coming back from the ankle injury, he did run a route on 85% of Carson Wentz's dropbacks. Just nothing came of it. And there's a couple reasons yeah. why uh well actually really only one reason why and it's Carson Wentz was terrible that, that game against the Cowboys <laughs> they were favored by yeah that's it, like, right 10 and a half, nine and a half points some, somewhere around there and and they just couldn't score and even when they did score it came from defensive touchdowns so the offense wasn't on the field all that much but yeah it, it's it's kind of hard to know what to make of the Eagles offense in Dallas Goddard um I, I'll say this before we move on from the tight end position because there was a bunch of names we threw out here are the three tight ends that I think I'm going to have the most exposure to this week. Darren Waller, Evan Ingram, Austin Hooper. If you had to pick three tight ends just to narrow it down so it doesn't seem like we talked about 30 tight ends here, which are the guys you really want to hone in on?
2: Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll throw it Hollister, um, definitely Ingram, and I'll, I'm probably going to say Fant, over Goddard. Um, I do think the the Philly offense could get on track a little bit this week. Just they're coming off a bye They get Miles Sanders back. We didn't really talk about but it uh, has some PPR upside too. But um, – yeah, I'll, say Fanta over Goddard for me right now.
1: <laughs> All right. My favorite position yes. to talk about no the defense. defense and special teams. Um, I, I actually think that this is, there, there are some interesting spots this week because th- there are a lot of cheap defenses that I think have some potential to be decent. One that stands out to me is the Detroit lions. Um, I get that Alex Smith didn't look terrible last week, but he still threw a few interceptions and overall Alex Smith. Like, I still watch him walk. I'm like, he doesn't look like he walks like a normal human being still. It's like, I, I'm terrified watching Alex Smith play quarterback. And I don't like even want to be-
2: watch him. Honestly, Greg, I don't even want to watch Alex Smith play. Like I, I legitimately turn the game off when he's comes on. Like I did not watch him a single snap from last week. It's terrifying. It is. I don't want to see that.
1: Yeah, and, and think about the situation he was in last week too, where, uh, where, where Kyle Allen breaks his ankle on what was basically a dirty play by Jabril Peppers who sticks out his, sticks out his leg and, and trips him. So now you got Alex Smith who who almost died from a leg injury. He's got, he's got to come in after seeing a a defensive player, basically kind of intentionally break the starting quarterback's leg. And then he has to come in. I, I think that this is a decent spot for, for the Lions defense at a cheap price. Um, I think you can make a case for the Giants also. Uh, I think that they're actually going to come in pretty popular because the Giants defense has been decent this year and Carson Wentz, you get Carson Wentz under pressure and he just panics. I've never seen a guy who's like, he sees a defense like a panic, panic, panic. And he just, he just throws the ball up in the air. He's, he's helicopter and he's spinning. He freaks out whenever anybody's in his face. So the Giants have a decent defense. I think they're okay. Uh, what, What do you think of some of these defenses?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, the Lions at 2,600 uh, have to be, uh, you know, considered. Uh, again, I, I think this is kind of setting up as a week where I, I, I might want to roll the dice with some cheap defenses. Um, I know I wrote up the Browns. Um, again, I don't mind targeting, you know, a, a team coming off the bye. They do have some talent. They're actually out there in turnovers too. They've been really good at creating turnovers under Stefanski. Um, I'm not a fan of the, of the Houston Texans at all. Like, I, I, I don't think, I just don't think they're good. Um, I, and I, I, think in a cold weather game, I think their offense could get really exposed. So, um, I'm probably going to at least have a, you know, be overweight on the field of the Browns. Um, I, I, I will say this, you could just roster the saints in every single lineup this week and who cares about the chalk. Um, they, that that's to me, that is probably might be the smart play. If they were even a little bit cheaper, they'd probably be easily the highest owned play, but at three K, if you can get up there, just putting them in every lineup, uh, I would actually be OK with that and just eating a little chalk on defense this week because it's a like Nick Mullins. He, he, <laughs> he, like that, that defensive line for the Saints, it's going to force Nick Mullins into doing his Nick Mullins things where like Carson Wentz, he's very much like a mini Carson Wentz. He'll just close his eyes and chuck it like uh, it'll need to pick sixes. So um, I think paying up for the Saints in every spot, not a
1: bad play this week. I'm so confused why Nick Mullins is starting because the first time Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, Nick Mullins starts, he plays like a game and a half and loses his his starting job to CJ Beathard. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt again a couple weeks later and like, well, I guess Nick Mullins is the best option. It's like, no, you guys benched him for CJ Beathard like three weeks ago. And now all of a sudden Mullins is the guy again. Do they forget what happened? It just makes no no. sense to me. I I assume that Beathard is going to be starting games again for them in the near future.
2: I think that, that Nick Mullins is just very good at roping Kyle <laughs> Shanahan in. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, practice. He's, he's zipping balls over to, to tight ends. And even in the games, so he'll make just a couple really nice throws. But, you know, it, again, I, I think he just he's very good at playing with Shanahan's emotions. And um, I think, yeah, I, I think Beard would, uh, would be the, the better option here. They could run it a little bit more. He's someone who's more prone to run the ball. But um, I think you're right. We could see CJ in this game. It wouldn't shock me at all.
1: All right. So let's wrap it up. Favorite stack of the week. For me, it's going to be Drew Brees to Michael Thomas. I mean, this price point on Michael Thomas is just so ridiculously low. And I mean, we're probably a week, two weeks away. I don't know what the same schedule is for Michael Thomas being the most expensive and highest owned wide receiver on the slate. So the fact that we're getting a more of a mid range price tag and, Way lower ownership than we're used to seeing. I mean, last week this was a guy who was a cash game lock every week down the stretch of the season. He was he was a guy who was over eight thousand and people were rostering him in fifty percent of cash lineups. He was the highest owned wide receiver in GPPs. I, I think that he's going massively overlooked this week. So that's where I'm going. With my favorite stack. How about you, Jeff?
2: Yeah, I think a Saints domination stack. You maybe even play the defense there for like a little like kind of negative correlation, whatever you want to call it. I got I got a really interesting play this week. Hundred percent on board with that. Uh, mine's going to be Seattle and Russell Wilson. Uh, again, half the ownership of these top QBs. It's still it's a game with like a 55 point total. It's not like this game is projected to go like 45 points here. We have points projected. Um, I like coming in with, you know, m- maybe a double stack, but I'm going to go t- uh, Tyler Lockett probably more heavier. And i love coming back with Robert Woods in that game.
1: All right, that is going to do it for the show Guys, before you leave, like the video. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast network. Go check out Osmo.com. Maybe sign up for, for a weekly pass. That's only three ninety five. Jeff, any closing thoughts for the slate this week?
2: No, just keep an eye on the weather, obviously. And, and no, don't forget about the, uh, you know, we got five late games. Chase Edmonds and your flex guys. You know, put them there. You get I got lots of options to pivot from. So that's going to be the play. We'll come back and talk about how that worked out. Hopefully, to our advantage, Greg, Chase Edmonds in the the late
1: flex. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Jordan, hit the music. I hope you guys win some money this week.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?